up? Hey, y'all. What's up? Hey. Hey. It is. How are y'all doing? Tinseltown tea. Yeah. Yeah. The Tinseltown of the tea. That's right. Of the Tinseltown. Of the tea. Shit. I mean, period. Um, so, <laughs> not what it is. So, yeah. If you if it's your first time joining us, I know we might have a lot of new uh, listeners. Thank you so much for joining Tinseltown Tea. Yeah. Um, we are your hosts. I'm Judith, and this is Corey, the beautiful Corey. And, yeah, we are two uh, screenwriters who are trying to make our way into a writer's room. Hopefully one day mm-hmm. show run our own stuff, possibly yep. continuing to write and get into the industry. I'm in podcasting. Um, Corey is in fashion. And she's a, a smart businesswoman, by the way. You're gonna be, she's a mogul. She's a mogul in the making. Um, <laughs> no, I'd be jealous because I am not like a business minded kind of person so <laughs> i yeah kudos to you madame um Thank so you. yeah we are your hosts and of course we're trying to make our way into the entertainment industry as screenwriters so on this podcast mm-hmm. we talk about screenwriting resources we have interviews sometimes we even do some movie reviews um yes. yeah and we script reads um, script reads and we give you all the resources well not all the resources all the resources we've found yeah let me not let me not tell lies um but we do it of course um in our perspective and we highlight black and brown screenwriters um you know dps directors anyone in the industry who um deserves to get their flowers or who might be overlooked or is shining you know what i mean we we definitely give them a highlight and that's actually in our last section niggas you should know and Mm -hmm. um for those of you who are familiar we start off with a would you rather so this week is my turn and so here's my mm-hmm. would you rather question would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Yes. you don't hit it on the nail this one i don't even know oh. what my answer is oh my lord jesus those are all things that you need, you need to do. <laughs> well um fuck. I would choose read because mm-hmm. if I can still speak, I can at least tell a bitch, hey, I can't read ho. Okay. And then <laughs> you, me, you know, yep. <laughs> right? I would just do what Floor Mayweather used to do. Thank you. <laughs> and have someone read to me. I mean, while I reading is like literally all I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just do that. As long as I still have my voice to be like, bitch, I can't read. Okay. <laughs> And, and just hire someone to read for me or just let people know, hey, it's not going to happen this yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, no, I am uh, absolutely with you. Um, I was just thinking about Floyd and I was just like, well, I'm just going to have to be a heavyweight champion boxer, apparently, <laughs> in yeah. order to make it. Um, so, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there is a bit of the population, I don't know the data, that still can't read, unfortunately. Yeah. Um so people figure out a way to get through life um that. like that um a larger part of the population i would believe but yeah i think i would be able to still move forward if i could at least speak and say what i need um for someone else to read exactly. to me right yeah right. which way is that way okay because <laughs> i don't know what's on that sign <laughs> I'm like, you know that yeah 
Because, like, if people who can't read another language, if they're in another country, like, they still find a way to get around because they got a voice to be like, bitch, I don't read that language. (laughs) But I'm assume that's a stop sign, so. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to (laughs) Yeah, so I think things are very visual these days to where, like, yeah. While I would hate to not be able to read anymore, I think I could get away with it somehow, some way. Yeah. I'm saying Floyd Mayweather is a fucking multimillionaire, and he supposedly allegedly couldn't read. I don't know if that. I mean, who knows? Because people say we talk about his ass, but if he allegedly couldn't read and he's a multimillionaire, then bitch, I don't need to read either. <laughs> <laughs> not just that on that. Yep, that's just period. I agree. Who? I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. So before I get into our next segment. I just say this at the end, but I'm going to start saying this at the beginning. Ooh. Stop what you're doing. Subscribe. Leave us a rating yes. or review if you want. Do it, guys. I'm telling you that stuff. It may not seem like a lot, but it like really helps us out. We've Please. been doing this for over a year. We're growing every day, and um, we really appreciate when you guys do things like that. It really helps us out so we can continue to give you this content that we yes. work so diligently on every single day. So stop what you're doing right now. Subscribe, mm-hmm. leave a rating or review, do the things, follow us on the socials right now. Then come back and listen. On. All right. So after you've done that, moving into our no better, do better segment, which is where we yeah. do a tip trick. Tip trick? Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she tricking. Um, tip tip trick lesson learned yes um from just our journeys of being screenwriters and getting into the industry or trying to get into the industry so this i actually got from um stephen king's memoir which i'm actually reading right now and it i think it definitely applies to screenwriting as well um so he was basically a sorry my dogs are over there tripping ernie cut it out Oh, Ernie. Gotta love him. Ernie, stop. So, (laughs) he was talking about with dialogue, tell, just tell the truth. So, Mm. he was saying, he, the man has written thousands of books. A lot of his shit has been turned into movies, TVs, you fucking name it. Mm -hmm. This guy's rich as hell, just so y'all know. Um, But, he has obviously written about all different types of people from all different walks of life who all live their own truths. And he was saying with all these different types of people, while it may not be, you know, the most politically correct, how they feel or their perspective on life, you still have to tell the truth when, when you're speaking through these characters. So he said like, how he used to get letters from people who were mad saying like, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're a bigot and shit like this because of the way that he would write some of his characters. But he's just saying like, if I'm writing about a guy who was a racist, he's going to have to talk like a racist, like his dialogue is going to have to tell his truth. Um, doesn't mean I am. I'm just speaking through my characters and telling yeah. the truth with the characters because that is that is the way that people are going to connect, whether they connect with racists or not. I hope they don't. If you do, fight me. Um, whether they connect with the characters, um, that's how you get people to kind of like feel and relate to the characters and see that they're not wooden and one-dimensional yeah. characters. So. Yeah. I think that definitely applies to screenwriting. Yeah. No matter what type of character you're writing, I mean, I hope you're not writing the same types of characters and all of your stuff. I hope you're, like, getting yourself out of your comfort zone and trying to write different people who come from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
tell the truth with their dialogue and don't be afraid to do that. I think a lot of people are afraid to like say certain things. They want to kind of censor their own work because they're thinking about Sally Mae, Sally, who they think about their mom and their auntie, their grandma, all that stuff. While, you know, you should think about those people. But when it comes to your work, just tell the truth, be authentic with your characters, be authentic with yourself. Um, and don't be afraid to, you know, say something, have your character say something if that's what they would say. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the times when you're writing, writing is and story is all about um, just putting your characters in a situation and seeing what your characters would do. So, yeah. I, I thought he said that and it really resonated with me mm-hmm. as a writer and as a screenwriter. So I thought I would share that with you for our No Better Do Better for this week. Amen. Yeah, that's perfect. And yeah, I heard no lies. So we can just move forward uh, with that. <laughs> um, yeah. So now we have the news. Most of the time um, in this segment, you know, we usually get most of our news from Shadow and Act. Um, If you don't know what Shadow and Act is, it is a publication, an online publication that covers black and brown uh, screenwriters, directors, writers, all sorts of uh, entertainment news. Um, Well, yeah, entertainment news focused on black and brown um, actors, writers, all that stuff. So um, our first piece of news, um, if you guys haven't already known, but Charm City Kings, uh, starring Jahai Diali, excuse me, Diallo Winston, um, is uh, on what is really working with, what it's really like working with Meek Mill. So this young man, who's the star, um, he worked with Meek Mill. This is a movie that Meek Mill is in. And when he talked to Shadow and Act, he talked about basically what it was like working with him. And the reason why they talked about it was because in Sundance, uh, the film um, premiered and it had a lot of really great reviews. And for those of you who don't know what um, Charm City uh, Kings is, um, basically the description says, Mouse, um, played by Winston, um, desperately wants to join the Midnight Click, an infamous group of Baltimore dirt bike riders who ruled the summertime streets. When Midnight's leader, Blacks, played by Meek Mill, takes 14-year-old Mouse under his wing, Mouse soon finds himself torn between the straight and narrow and a road filled with fast money and violence. So um, it originally was based on a documentary called 12 O'Clock Boys, and they followed, uh, I guess, this dirt bike group um, in Baltimore. So they then adapted it to Mm. um, a movie, and um, it debuted uh, the week of the 9th, if you're not seeing this, on HBO Max. So it's out there. Check it out. Um, and it's directed by Angel Manuel Soto. The film stars, again, Jahai Dialio Winston. They also have uh, Tayana Ferris, uh, Will Catlett, and Meek Mill. So um, it actually has, seems like a, a really good mm. cast. Um, at Sundance, it won the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Prize for ensemble acting. So it was recognized. And uh, yeah, Winston said that, and this is a quote from him, um, I really love the simplicity of the story. I love how complex it was, but it was really about a boy who just wants a bike. He wants validation from his friends. He wants validation from the girl he likes, but most importantly, he wants validation from himself. He's on the coming. Uh, he's on this coming of age journey to find out where he is and how he fits into the world. So, uh, well said, Winston. God. Um, 
And so wow. check him out on HBO Max. And again, Meek Mill is in it and other great actors are in it too. So yeah, if you have HBO Max, check it out. I know I'm going to try to. Uh-huh. All right. So next, um, if you guys follow us, we actually reported this when um, the contest first happened. But um, so showrunner Ben Kirk. Corey Jones announces the participants of his inaugural uh, virtual TV pilot writing workshop. So I think it was like maybe in the beginning of the year. I'm not sure, but he announced it. They were taking April, May. Okay. Yeah. So they were taking submissions and they finally announced um, who's going to be a part of this program. So um, if you're not familiar with Ben Corey Jones, um, I think he's like showrunner as well as head writer for Boomerang on BET. He also used to write for, Mm -hmm insecure i think it was a story editor and then mm-hmm. he also wrote on the underground so he's has a yep. really i would love to have that resume so yeah he has great writing chops um and he started this um television pilot uh writing workshop um at ben the writer's room and that's his uh instagram handle um the program is an intimate four-month virtual tv pilot writing workshop for underrepresented writers of color and LGBTQ storytellers. Um, Due to the overwhelming response and the high caliber of candidates, there will be two cycles with 10 participants each. So there's two cycles, so it's 20 participants uh, total. So congrats to them. There's a whole list here on the shadow and act thing. And basically in the workshop, you know, writers are gonna be, you know, not only networking with one another and Ben Corey Jones, but they're gonna be learning about, you know, how to set up their pitches right and how to, um you know uh meet deadlines and work with getting notes from your you know your team as well as from the network like all the sort Mm -hmm. of things to overall engage in understanding what it means to be a showrunner and a writer and how to really put your best foot forward um when you're in the writer's room but also when you're pitching your stuff and when you're trying to create a show and all that stuff so yeah check it out on shadow and act um they have cycle one and cycle two winners here they have their first names cities and what uh, uh genre they like to write so i'm not going to say all their names just check it out on shadow and act and congrats Aww. to uh ben Corey jones i mean for putting yeah. this together and you know um, giving people a chance to learn from his growth and then you know yeah we need it <laughs> clearly with all those people submitting like it's needed so yeah congrats and good luck to everyone in the program i sure it sounds going to be like fruitful and really amazing all right That's amazing congrats yeah. y'all that is really dope um so the next bit of news is i don't know if you guys watch real housewives um I do watch Real Housewives of Potomac, let me be very clear. Um, and in this, in this news, uh, Robin and Juan Dixon asked fans to donate to uh, his HBCU Coppin State for his birthday. So um, I thought that was really cute. For those of uh, who are not caught up, and I'm going to get caught up soon uh, with Potomac because the season is happening now on TV. I bought it on Amazon because I need my dose of reality TV. I need it. Um, and the season is ridiculously good. It involves fights. It involves <laughs> like you know they fight Fights, yes. Getting back with a um, pastor who openly cheated on you. I mean, I, the scandal between a husband might be cheating with another woman, and all this stuff. It's 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 some shenanigans um 
But yeah, so this character doesn't have a lot to do with that drama. But um, Robin Dixon, um, she's known for being uh, the longtime partner to Juan Dixon. And Juan used to be a NBA player. Um, we kind of saw their mm -hmm. trials and tribulations where uh, basically in the beginning of the season, they both they were divorced, but they still lived together in the home to raise their kids. And they had some financial issues, but then uh, Robin kind of had a bounce back and getting her finances together. Um, they moved into a bigger house. And now that um, they're in their journey, in their love, they're like thinking of getting remarried again. So however they want to do it, child. Uh, okay. You know, Ashe and Amen. Ashe and Amen. So <laughs> I think, <laughs> so basically for, um, so Juan was turning 42. And um, basically, um, she asked for an effort to do a crowdfunding effort to support Juan's team um, in the rebuilding stage for Coppin State. So basically, she asked folks to give a, he's turning 42, so they're like, you know, you can donate $42, you can donate $4.20, you can donate, you know, $2.42, like, basically with the 42 in it and send whatever you can. Um, and it was on his birthday. So I thought that was really cute. Shout out to HBCUs. They're very important. And I'm glad she <laughs> used this platform to like, use his birthday to kind of bring that um, platform of the HBCUs. I mean, it was, you know, it's to build up his team. Don't get me wrong. But still, that's, that's cute for a birthday thing. That um, is cute. Yeah. Um, and then in another Real Housewives franchise, we're going to go to Beverly Hills. So Garcelle Bouvin, 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 I'm going to say Bouvin, I'm probably wrong mm -hmm. about, uh, my Haitian sister, uh, confirms she'll return next season despite Denise Richards' exit. So this is Beverly Hills. So for those who follow that, I do not follow that. But from the little description that I did read in this article, I might go back and watch that. Um, <laughs> So Garcelle, um, she made history as being the first Black woman um, to join that Bravo franchise, the first one to come on uh, Beverly Hills um, in its 10th season. And she came on with her longtime friend, uh, Denise Richards, and there was some issues where basically people were speculating that she wouldn't be back on. But she decided that she will go back on and, um, yeah, coming back for season two. Um, I don't know the franchise like that, but there was supposedly some uh basically some back and forth with certain members um on the cast and she stood she basically felt unbothered by any of that so i was like oh okay <laughs> and um she was loyal to denise richards i believe yeah denise richards and um she basically said if denise leaves i'm leaving but she changed her mind so um i'm gonna actually go back um just to see the season that she came on because duh um and yeah see what the um the tea is because yeah <laughs> i'm for it <laughs> all right so the next couple of news has been actually kind of sad uh just a heads up for you guys but um a lot of you probably mm -hmm. already know but um thomas jefferson bird known for his role uh roles in spike lee films unfortunately was shot and killed in atlanta um i believe <laughs> today according to the um atlanta journal constitution um today was his um where oh, what is it called please forgive me forgive me so today was his viewing the public viewing um oh. and so you know he's you know tony 
award nominated actor. Um, they're still trying to figure out what happened. Apparent from reports, they say that there was a dispute and from the dispute, gunshots were fired. And unfortunately, uh, Bird was, was killed. Um, so they're still trying to figure out what happened. Um, you know, not only has he been in a lot of Spike Lee films, but you know, he, he's been known for his work um, on Broadway and was nominated uh, for a Tony um, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So, I mean, we're gonna probably, you know, we're, we're gonna honor him um, in our last segment and we'll get more of his bio there, but you know, sad um, that this has to ha this ha happen and especially in light of gun violence with everything that's going on, like it's just really, really sad um, to hear him, to hear that he passed on, so. Very sad. <sighs> Love and light and protection to his family. Um, and we mm -hmm. lost another uh, juggernaut in the um, acting realm, Armelia McQueen, actress from Ain't Misbehaving and Ghost dies at 68. So um, yeah, a lot of people know her from her role in Ghost. I believe she played Whoopi's sister in the film. Um, McQueen's- Oh, I was trying to remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, she's a Broadway actress and a lot of them, again, know her from Ghost. Um, her friend, uh, Doreen uh, Hannaway, confirmed her passing on Facebook and wrote about her friend, you are truly an angel now. My dear Armelia crossed over yesterday. She loves us. She leaves us cherishing her memory as she's, excuse me, as she's one of the greatest friends uh, could ever have had. Uh, the only thing bigger than her beautiful soul was the extraordinary talent. So um, she spoke more about her. Sorry, I butchered that, ma'am. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm so glad that you were able to you know, just show some love uh, and really honor um, McQueen. Um, so yeah, and a lot of times we forget, you know, Broadway and the actors that continuously like pave the way and like open doors and like, you know, exactly. are able to like build a career so that, you know, that we could have more representation across all the entertainment. No, that's right. So, yeah, so may she rest in power, and we'll probably talk more about her a little bit later on as well. Whew. So there y'all have it. That is the news. And uh, yeah, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back. Hey, y'all, we're back. Yes, we are back. Thank you, Judith, for going through the news. Rest in peace to Thomas Jefferson Bird III okay. and Armelia McQueen. Mm -hmm. We will be talking about them in our last segment today, just highlighting them, but rest in peace to them. Shout out to their families and shout out to the rest of the exciting news stories that we had for this week. Y'all yes. check all those teams out. Yes. Okay. So getting into main segment, mm -hmm. this week we're going to do an educational one. So like Judith talked about earlier, we like to switch it up between different things. And this week we are educating y'all asses. Um, so we're going to be talking about pitch decks. So um, a lot of people, you know, you're in the house, you're bored in the house, you're in the house bored. Well, not on the East Coast child, but, but oh, over oh, here in the West Coast, you're bored as hell because they still got us locked up in this bitch. Mm -hmm. um, but while... <laughs> But while you guys are in the house, you know, if you did some creativity type of mm -hmm. things and you wrote, you know, a script 
and you rewritten the script mm-hmm. and rewritten it again because you've had yeah. the time and you're like, okay, well, bitch, what do I do with this shit? Um, because some people don't want to go into a writer's room and that's totally fine. Perfectly um, okay. And some people don't want to produce their own teams because hello, Monty's, and also a lot of time and effort if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but side note, the experience is the best teacher. Anyways, um, but... <laughs> So for those people who don't want to go into the writer's room or you don't want to do it yourself, you want to pitch it to somebody because you want somebody else to take it on for you and use their resources, which is a smart thing to do. But if you don't know how to pitch right, then bitch, anybody won't touch your shit and no one's going to give a fuck because it's a very competitive industry. People are always pitching and even veterans in the industry and well-known people pitch and sometimes their shit doesn't get made so if you are um someone who's outside the industry you don't have poor connections like that and you land a pitch meeting or something of the sort you need to have a pitch deck it is very super super important and also there's a lot of like online pitching virtual fairs that go on so you can like pay to pitch to a whole bunch of executives and shit like that you can search those but those are good practice so pitching is like something you definitely need to practice but that pitch deck though you need to make sure that you have just a flawless ass pitch deck that just seals the deals for you and um it goes it's supplementary with your actual physical pitch and they go together to really tell the story of what it is that you want these people to fund for you so we are going to be going off of a article that was written for ScreenCraft by Ken Miyamoto, who writes mm-hmm. a lot of great articles for them. Yes. Um, he recently did a pitch deck for a movie that he did called Hunter's Decree that's actually on Amazon right now. It was released this year, if you guys want to check that out. And he kind of breaks down his pitch deck to talk about what goes into the right and perfect pitch deck. So he was saying, you know, pitching has changed a lot in the past few years, which I definitely agree with because, hello, we've had streaming services. Like the way we watch TV and movies is completely different from even five years ago. So um, why wouldn't pitching be different? You have to be able to pitch to a different kind of consumer that's consuming these, you know, the media and these shows and these movies. Mm -hmm. So... Now, like I was talking about before, virtual pitches are the new ting. Obviously, they're the new ting and multimedia pitch decks. So that's meaning you're putting pictures, you're putting videos, you're really selling them a story and making a beautiful visual um, deck. And if you don't know what a deck is, it's like a PowerPoint, um, a presentation for you to kind of show what your story is about. Mm-hmm. So if you are used to pitching in the old days, just know those days are gone. Everything is very, very rapidly changing and you got to keep up with the times. And I know it's kind of hard, but something we got to do. Yep. So, um, so he's going to basically, like I said, walk us through his pitch deck for his movie Hunter's Creed, which he was able to secure over 200,000 in independent financing, which is a lot of money. And you that can make a, a pretty, you know, good independent film with that and, he was able to secure that with this pitch deck. So I will listen to the guy and take heed to the advice that he's giving about mm-hmm. pitch decks. So just cause I want to hype him up a little bit because why not? Um, he said it, his film Hunter's Creed was acquired by Sinandine 
um, and a deal that includes DVD distribution at over 3,000 Walmarts nationwide. Okay. Well, come on. And VOD release on every major platform, Apple, Amazon, PlayStation, etc. So he was able to do that with this pitch deck that he's going to break down for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to him, first of all. For yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty amazing. Um, so let's talk about how pitching used to work in Hollywood. So in the screenwriting boom of the 1990s and even before that, it was all about pitching if you wanted to make it in Hollywood with your projects. So I am just assuming here that back then, making your own projects was very, very difficult. Not like it is today. I mean, it's still difficult today, mm-hmm. but the barriers to entry to make your own projects are a little bit easier now than I assume that they were back in the day that he's talking about. So you have to pitch, obviously, and get other people to believe in your idea and throw you the Montees. Mm-hmm. So screenwriters have to have the best possible pitches, add some creative visual aids, and just literally put it all out there in their pitch and be very passionate. So um, so he's saying, as the volume of incoming spec scripts grew during and after the 90s, these three pitch elements replaced the in-person Hollywood pitch meeting. Logline, synopsis, and a treatment. So we've talked about treatments before. Um, in a past episode, check that out. Um, a synopsis is basically when you're scrolling through Netflix and you click on a show and it's, it's a little paragraph that tells you what it's about. That's a synopsis or it could be a log line. A synopsis is a little bit longer. It's a paragraph and a log line is usually one or two sentences boiling down what the show is about. Um, so you would need those three or those are the things that were replaced in, in Hollywood, in-person Hollywood pitch meeting. But as we moved into the 2000s, um, kind of got away from that and there is a new way for screenwriters to get discovered like we've been seeing if people liked your logline they request the synopsis and then if the synopsis engage them then they request a treatment and then once you send a treatment you're pretty much on your way um it's, it's like things are looking good for you but we're not in the early 2000s anymore and like we just said things are definitely changing now so you still need those three things if you're going to pitch i mean if you have if you're going to anybody with an idea, I would at least hope that you have those three things in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're looking for a pitch deck and they need it a motherfucking sap, okay? Um, because Period. that is how you can, <laughs> that is how you can set yourself apart from other people because not a lot of people are gonna put in the work to make a pitch deck because they're thinking in their heads, well, if I'm pitching, why I do that? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how you separate yourself from the lazy motherfuckers and be the above average motherfucker yep. who's going to do whatever it takes yep. to get their shit made. And a pitch deck is definitely how you would do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this is a little history that I thought was cool. The term pitch deck is a term that originated in the startup culture of Silicon Valley. So it's a presentation that entrepreneurs give to potential investors to ensure funding for their startups. And that is true. So even if you are an entrepreneur, um, you still have to make a pitch deck if you want people to throw you money for your business. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something, I say all that to say pitch decks are important and not just in screenwriting world. Mm-hmm. Just in anything that you want to do, if you want people to believe in you and give you money, I'm going to need you to do a pitch deck and know how to do it right. Yep. So um, like he said, they're being used now in Hollywood and along with them, you're, they're being coupled with like a TV series Bible. And a Bible is 
what it sounds like. It's the Bible for your show. You're telling me premise. You're telling me arcs for your characters. You're telling mm-hmm. me seasonal arcs. You're giving me what's happening in the first 10 episodes. Right. You're giving me backgrounds on all of your characters. Yep. Um, uh, main supporting shit, little background bitch. I need to know what's going on with them. What yep. happened when they was young? Like that is what your Bible is supposed to be telling me. That's what that tells the people that you're pitching to is that you've thought through your idea and it's something that you know is going to be viable and they're going to be able to make multiple episodes, multiple seasons out of. And basically you're letting these people know, hey, bitch, this is going to make you money for years. So that is why you should be interested. So that's why you should also have hopefully have like a TV series Bible coupled with your pitch deck to give them a little bit more we always want to give them we always want to anticipate whatever questions that they have when you're pitching because people are going to try to hit you from all angles and they're going to try to slip your ass up but but a bitch like me and a bitch like you we stay ready so we don't have to get ready and that's what you, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stay ready this is probably the most getaway this has ever been explained but who but it's um <laughs> You have to stay ready in order to get ready. You know, really? you have to, yeah, you have to stay yeah. ready so you don't have to get ready because yeah. we don't play games like that. Mm-mm. So if you have an idea, let's just review real quick. Mm-hmm. Have a log line, synopsis, a treatment, TV Bible, and a pitch deck. Just have all that shit together mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, no one can ever say that you didn't have your shit together when you pitched them. Mm-hmm. So he is, um, like I said, going to break down his pitch deck and so he started off kind of giving us a synopsis of what it is so hunter creed is a feature film written on paid assignment by ken miyamoto which is himself directed by justin jackala distributed by Cinedime, and features the likes of duane dog chapman aka dog the bounty hunter is a faith-based found footage thriller independently produced for over two hundred thousand. um and he was basically saying so he's hyping himself up a little bit he's saying that people who looked at his pitch deck so film investors said it was the best pitch deck they have ever seen Mm. so like i said listen to this man so he's saying a successful screenplay pitch deck offers the reader five things five 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 teams instant visual cues a brief story and protagonist details background on the creative team behind the screenplay and or film project breakdowns of targeted genres and demographics and financial details so basically if you've made it to the pitch deck you have to know all the things all of the things um you gotta know people that you're planning to attach to directing maybe some producers um you gotta know financials which is always difficult for me because i'm like i don't know that shit you can hire somebody to budget your shit out for you guys, just so Please you know. Mm-hmm. There are people who specialize in that. So that are the five, those are the five things that a successful screenplay or TV show pitch deck should have. So you want the reader of your pitch deck to walk away with a sense of tone of the show, mm-hmm. atmosphere, scope, concept, story, and character arcs, and information backing up the potential financial prospects. Right. So his pitch deck for Hunter's Creed was created in PowerPoint. So if you're thinking, I don't know how to do this shit, PowerPoint, bitch. PowerPoint is um, yeah. it's something that's been going on for a long time. And it's really not that hard. If you just play around with it, right. you can make your pitch deck in there. You can make it look professional. So that's exciting yeah. to know that you don't have to buy some crazy software to make that happen. Right. 
Right. Um, so he sometimes used original and stock imagery as backdrops for, and he had a total of 27 slides. So original imagery is something that he took himself. Stock imagery is free imagery that you can find on the internet mm -hmm. and no one will see you ask for it if they see you using it. So utilize what you got guys to create yeah. a beautiful visual, um, visually appealing pitch deck. So the sections within his pitch deck included a title page, an executive summary, a team, a story, production, distribution, and finances. And this is a pretty basic for any type of pitch deck. I remember I had to do a pitch deck for a business that I was going to do with my sister, and I had to do the same type of shit. Title page, executive summary. You got to give them the whole shebang on what it is that they are exactly. Because they're giving you the monties, and you got to let them know that their monties is not going to be wasted. So for your title page, it's going to be the cover of your pitch. It should resemble a poster or a compelling visual that captures the tone and the atmosphere of the screenplay or film. So tone and atmosphere are super, super important when it comes to any idea that you're trying to get people to understand for a show that you have. Yeah. Um, tone, I cannot stress, is so, so important. You always have to know what is the tone going to be. If you don't know what tone is, I would say it's like, it's in the vein of so if that doesn't make sense so like i have a show but it's in the vein or tone of insecure or right. in the vein or tone of girlfriend so you're basically telling them like how what is what is this shit gonna be like how am i gonna feel what is this gonna resemble when i'm watching it that's mm -hmm. also the same for atmosphere as well so um the poster should definitely when they look at your cover page for your pitch deck, they need to know, okay, bitch, this shit look like it's going to be a little bit like Insecure or Girlfriends, mm -hmm. or this shit look like it's going to be like Blair Witch Project or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. So he is stressing, and it's like the first, it's the cover of your page, like, don't sleep on that. Mm -hmm. So if you got to hire somebody to do the visual, bitch, then do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. you got to make, you got to spend money to make money sometimes. So that's what your cover and your deck title page should look like. You should also have contact information. Or you can have contact information um, on this page as well. So next, you'll have your executive summary. And it's a single page breakdown of the main elements of the pitch. So in his executive summary, he had his title, the length, he put feature film, the genre, he said found footage slash thriller, budget, he put to be announced, which is sometimes you, bitch, you don't know. So you gotta, <laughs> it got to be announced. <laughs> sometimes that shit got to be announced. Mm -hmm. um, and then he put the shoot date, which was March 2018. So executive summary is literally that. It's a summary of, of basically what's to come in my pitch deck. Mm -hmm. So the next section is team. So he shares the primary team members of the project. And if you don't know who the team members are going to be yet, I mean, I, I don't quote me, but maybe you can put TBA. Maybe you can at least put people that you're thinking of attaching um to the project if you don't have those people yet but hopefully you'll have those people attached or at least have a very strong idea of who you want to approach to attach so obviously share your primary team members complete with their biographies and images if you want um but if you're trying to use the pitch deck to sell a spec script you want you'd want to include those these team members mm -hmm. which is you your co-writers representation i'm guessing of you and maybe your co-writers and any attached development executives or producers so this is if you're trying to use your pitch deck to sell a spec script make sure you have those yep. team members included as well 
So if you're trying to sell a film project, you'll want to include the directors, the writers, the producers, and any attached lead actors. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're like, oh my God, this is a lot of information. How am I supposed to know all this? You need to figure it out, sis. You got to just work your ass off and have all this information before you even get to the pitch deck. Because if you're pitching to somebody, you at least need to know these things. It's something that you're seriously wanting to make and it's not an idea or something you're going to think about doing you're pitching it's something that you know you want to do so you should have all of this stuff ticked and tied and ready to go so he included pictures nice little headshots of these folks and they look cute and they look nice Mm -hmm. so uh, (laughs) so that's something i would probably include as pictures too it doesn't hurt you know because we live in a visual world and that's just the way it is yeah so the next section he has a story section and this is where you should include your log line, which is a one or two sentence summary of what the show or uh, film is going to be about. Your lead protagonist's background and present conflicts within the story. And if you've done your character work, which you should have, you will know this. And um, a synopsis. So, and your synopsis, which is a paragraph version of um, your summary of the show. So he put everything on a different page which I advise to do just to give everything its own section and yeah. allow people to kind of look through and do what they need to do so yeah you put everything on on one page so he didn't give I usually write huge background or yeah. backstories for my peeps a long ass paragraph he didn't put the whole paragraph of their backstory he just put bullet points um so Dave 29 which I'm guessing is the protagonist he put past and then some bullet points from his past. He was born and raised in Wisconsin, grew up in a church, a leader among the church's youth, married high school sweetheart Kate, grew up hunting with his family and four friends. And that's all he said about his past. I'm guessing those are the most important things that you would need to know about mm-hmm. the protagonist. So for president, he did the same thing, four bullet points, rejects his past faith after losing his wife and unborn child to cancer, overworks himself as his boat cleaning shop to pass the time doesn't spend much time out with friends or family and doesn't really care to film hunting show because of lack of emotional energy so that is just telling you where the protagonist is at this point in time where we're starting the pilot or this film and it'll kind of give you um all that the investors need to know about who this protagonist is going to be Mm -hmm. so next we're going to be talking about production if you're pitching a film project you want to touch on production schedules, locations, benefits of producing this type of film. And this is something that if you're a writer, you probably don't know about production. And that's fine because you're a writer. You're yeah. not a producer, unless you're both. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where you could probably hire some more. You have producers attached to come in and provide this information for you. Because if I'm writing something, bitch, I ain't gonna know the production schedules. I don't know. The, I mean, I'm gonna know the location, but I don't know if we can get them. You know, I don't know if it's a producing type of film because I don't do the producing. Mm -hmm. So this is where you can call on your producers that you have attached or hire or go ahead and start getting your producers together to help you with this. Mm -hmm. So he kind of said it was a 90 page script, 15 day shoot, six person cast, one location. So he put all that on one page and it just really tells you, hey, bitch. And it kind of gives the investors 
a ballpark number for how much this is going to cost. Mm-hmm. So 15 day shoot, six person cast, one location. That sounds cheap as hell. Yep. I'm, an investor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm looking at that like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay. So mm-hmm. that is going to be something I can probably throw a little money at. Mm-hmm. Um, on the next page, he put his location and the title was a 120 year old cabin, 107 acres of pristine hunting property near Mississippi River. He includes some beautiful pictures of the one location that they will be using. And that would sell me as well. I'm like, okay, well, he already knows the location. Okay. So just making it, you're making the people's, you're making the investor's job easy to give you the money. They're saying, okay, he literally has everything worked out. Why not give him the money? I'm, I'm sure he's going to go through with it. So if you have multiple locations, which they usually tell you to try to whittle your locations down because it costs more to film in different places, you would obviously put each location on a separate page, describe the location and put the pictures, the pretty pictures and make it look as nice as possible. Mm-hmm. So next, um, since he said it's going to be a found footage film, he put the advantages of making a found footage film. Less crew, fewer camera setups, simpler lighting setups, no composition costs as it's mocked in the found footage genre, less equipment and less costs. So basically, he highlighted that less costs to let y'all know, it's not going to cost y'all a bunch of money, y'all. So y'all should give me that Montese. So he's very smart. And this is where the business stuff comes into making your projects. You got to let people know that if you are making something that's not going to cost a lot of money, you got to make sure any way that you can in every step of your pitch deck to let them know that it's not going to cost them a bunch of money because you're more likely to get the money that you're asking for. Mm-hmm. So then from there, he goes into the schedule. So he said today, February 2018, we're going to be doing development, which is finalizing product placement agreements, finalizing crow hunter relationships, um, story market workshopping, and then we're going to do pre-production, which is casting, getting the crew together, rehearsals, blocking, camera tests, creative and storyboard. So he's letting them know, like, hey, this is what's going on today. And then in March, for this week in March, we're going to do actual production, our 15-day shoot, mm-hmm. three five-day weeks, just breaking it out for them, making it as easy as possible to explain. And then in April through July, we're going to do post-production, which is a rough cut, a cut trailer, um, doing, like, dialogue, titles, music, picture lock, test screenings. So just giving them a brief overview of what the schedule is going to look like so they know, okay, this is going to take that long, um, which also helps them think about cost as well. Mm -hmm. So next, going to go into distribution. Mm -hmm. So you can showcase the benefits of whatever genre you're talking about, the demographics you want to um, market to, and any potential distributors. So he... Um, was talking about how he had a niche demographic for this, which he does because it's a, a Christian thriller. Me and Judith looked it up. It's a Christian thriller, guys. Christian horror film. Never heard. Um, so it's a very niche demographic. Very specific. Um, <laughs> yes. So in here, he talked about the different demographics and how much um, money they made. So you're basically telling me, you're basically telling these people, Okay, I already told you how cheap it is going to make it, it is going to be to make this film. This is how much money you're going to make from that. So yep. for a thriller, he talked about 1.1 billion. They had 1.1 billion in gross revenue in 2016. Faith-based demographics had 2.2 billion adherence to Christianity. Hunters um, had 13.7 million people 
per year who hunts in the U.S. and found footage had $1.2 billion of box office revenue from 2018 to 2017. So he broke down the different demographics and basically let, let the investors know this is how much money this demographic made or this time people are currently in this demographic right now, even though it's still very niche. Mm-hmm. So getting into finances, which is usually the last part of the pitch deck. Um, if you intend on directing and producing the film project, you need to come prepared with the breakdown of the financials. Mm-hmm. So he'd include, include his financials in his, in um, this pitch deck on here. But he's basically saying, hey, you need to come to it with the breakdown of the financials because that's usually where they ask the most questions. So you yeah. can paint a pretty picture throughout the pitch deck of, okay, it's not going to cost you this much. This is how much money you're going to get back. But these people are investors. They want to see the money because if they're putting the money into you, they want to have that money come back to them. So Profit. this is why it's usually at the <laughs> facts. This is why it's usually <laughs> at the end because this is why you're going to get the most questions I'm telling you. So mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure who, if you hire like an accountant or something mm-hmm. like that to help you with this, mm-hmm. but I mean, this would be your producers. It would be under your producer's realm yes. um, to kind of figure out the financials of this. So if you're not serving as a producer as well, you're just the writer and you have other producers, have them um, work with their people, crunch the numbers to come up with the financials. But like he said, make sure you come prepared with a breakdown of the financials yeah. because I'm I'm telling you they're going to ask you a million questions about the financials because that's mm-hmm. the most important part. That's why you're there, yeah. to ask them for money. And so you can to, also include key box office. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm to be fair, like even though $200,000 for a film isn't, you know, a lot of money in film world, that's a lot of money somebody's handing over to you. So I know if Thanks. I were handing over $200,000, I want every, wh- wh- where, which, where is the money going? Where is it? Is it here? Is it there? <laughs> Let me know. Hold on. <laughs> like, I would, mm-hmm. I want all, yeah. every dollar accounted for it. So, yeah, but also, you know, I'm poor. So that seems like a lot, <laughs> a lot of money to me. So. <laughs> no, it is a lot of money. Like, even mm-hmm. to people who have millions, they're still going to be like, 200000 like they still going to want to know where is it going, like you said, and they want to know exactly where it's going and basically how they're going to get that shit back with interest. So um, do not do not come in there without your financials. I'm sure you, I'm sure some people have gotten away with it. Some people are just really slick and good on their feet. They've gotten away with it. Or if they have a relationship with those people already and it's right. like a friend type, type of thing, they're pitching yeah. to them, um, they can probably get away with it. But if you're, you ain't friends with these folks and you're not well known in the industry have your shit together especially your financials because they will definitely mm-hmm. poke holes in your pitch deck if you don't have that shit together mm-hmm. so the last tip that he added is you can also include key box office metrics of the intended genre and demographics by displaying the budget and box office numbers of films in similar genres Ooh. so he his is a faith-based found footage film so he had a page for sound footage comps. So he included about eight sound footage comps like Rare Witch Project, The Devil Inside, Last Exorcism, Cloverfield, mm-hmm. Criminal Activity. Um, he included the title, the um, the posters for them, their budgets and how much they made. So it's kind of showing them like, okay, like this is, these type of movies make this much, ours should make 
uh, in the ballpark the same mm-hmm. amount of money. Yeah. And he also did the same for faith films. He did about six faith films, put their titles, their posters, their budgets, and how much they made um, to kind of show, to give these people, you know, an idea of how much they can expect to make back if everything goes well and everything yeah. is marketed well. Yeah. So the key thing in your pitch deck is to be creative. I saw the pitch deck for Stranger Things. Mm. I think you can download it um, online. And it was beautiful. That was before it became Stranger Things. It was called Montauk before, based off of a Stephen King novel. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was beautiful, very well done. And it really, it made me want to fucking give them some money. I could throw them $5 shit um, based on that pitch deck. So um, just be creative. Offer an engaging visual presentation for industry insiders to consider. If you have too much information, too much text, you're going to lose them. And that's the case with any presentation, y'all. Yes, Don't be watch. having like paragraphs on the page. That's so just a, a presentation no no. You have might as well hand text. me the script. You might as well just give right? me the script. Just give it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just, yeah, presentation mm-hmm. faux pas. No, 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 no to the paragraphs. Focus mm-hmm. on the broad strokes. You're giving them a summary paint a picture of the story you want to tell and showcase how you intend on telling it. So you want to tell a story, but you got to tell a story of how you're going to tell the story, if that makes sense. <laughs> that is perfect. It's like, it's like literally storytelling all up and through that thing. Mm-hmm. So for screenwriters, the pitch deck offers managers, agents, development executives, and producers the opportunity to delve into your pitch beyond the log line if you create an interesting and well-conceived pitch, they're going to put you at the top of their read piles. And that's where you want to be, y'all. If you want the Munties, you want to be at the top of their read piles. And that starts with your pitch deck. If it's something that immediately strikes them with that cover page, mm-hmm. you're in that thing. Yeah. Um, for filmmakers, the pitch deck is a necessary tool to entice investors to invest in your film. They have to see and read the reasons they should give you hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and sometimes millions towards the budget of your project, which is what mm-hmm. we said the yeah. entire time. If they don't see the necessary preparation in your pitch deck, why would they risk their damn money? And that is just that on motherfucking up. I mean, if you don't put the, the time to make me a pitch deck that's nice, then mm-hmm. you're not going to put the time to make a movie, a good movie yeah. with my money. Yeah. That's going to make me money. So... And that's just that on that. So mm-hmm. it's super important to at least have um, some practice making these. So if you suck at doing things like this, hey, like I said, all you can always Fiverr it or whatever Upwork, yep. whatever those apps are, and have someone do the visuals for you. Yep. Um, or just practice doing it yourself. So if you have an idea and you may not have the financials, you may not have producers or directors attached yet. Just start making one just to practice, guys. Yeah. It's super, super important, especially like he was saying before, with the way things are going now, things are going virtually, things are going on Zoom. So let's say you have a Zoom pitch meeting with people. Share your screen. You can share your screen and have your pitch deck mm-hmm. up there while you talk. And that way they don't have to look at your face. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> those are just, you know, <laughs> some tips and tricks for how yeah. to do a pitch deck. This is a really great article by Ken Miyamoto, check out his movie Hunter's Creed on Amazon. He said it's on everywhere. He said Amazon, Apple, shit, yeah, on yeah. hoes. 
Sure, they got it. it. Um, he said PlayStation, bitch. So, it's, <laughs> hey, look it up. <laughs> and look at the article on Screen Craft and mm-hmm. get your pitch decks ready if you've made it that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, that was great. It really, like, broke it down. And I just remember when I was an intern, like, we would get some pitch, a lot of pitch decks, and, uh, you know, before they handed up to the people who were going to make the decision. But you can tell who was on point, and you can tell who wasn't going to get even past <laughs> my desk. <laughs> it was just like, nope. Like, you didn't, even, you, just, you didn't even, did you do this in notes? Like, what did you do this in? Like, what are we, what are we doing? So, uh, yeah. And you'd be surprised. Like a lot of people think like they put, but like when you really put the effort to make it look good, it'll stand out. It, it stands out 100%. So yeah, take the time, listen to the article and make sure like you put those tidbits in, in, in your own pitch deck so that you can get it sold and you can get these coins to make your, make your story happen. So yeah. So thank you, Corey. That was amazing. And uh, yeah, we're going to be right back with niggas. Niggas, you should know. Hey y'all, we are back. Um, y'all know we black, and um, we have our last segment of the show, which is called "Niggas You Should Know." Um, this week we're gonna be honoring, you know, two um, actors, two important actors who have uh, passed on. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna start. Uh, my nigga, you should know um, is Thomas Jefferson Bird, and um, yeah, he is, you know sadly sadly missed and um if you're not on instagram you could see all of the sort of uh remembrances for him this year has been tough for us we've lost a lot of great people Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. yes he's a character actor uh, a lot known for a lot of spike lee films which i'll uh later uh read but um he earned his uh bachelor's in science degree of education at brown morris brown college excuse me and later received his uh master's of fine arts degree in dance uh, from California Institute of Arts. So he was well-rounded. Um, he starred in numerous regional um, stage productions, um, mostly around mm. the San Diego, um, and including the San Diego Rep- Repertory Theater? Forgive me, words. I know them, I think. Um, <laughs> and uh, award-winning uh, performance of Spunk. Um, you know, he's been on Broadway, as we said before. He's with Ma, excuse me, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Two Trains Running, The, the Piano Lesson, um, continuously um, in theater. And his performance in the 2003 revival of uh, Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom received a Tony Award um, nomination for Best Actor. Um, he appeared again in Spike Lee's, um, a lot of Spike Lee joints, including uh, Clockers, Get on the Bus, Bamboozled, Red Hook Summer, and Chirac. Um, he appeared um, Stokely Darling in Lee Netflix series, uh, excuse me, Spike Lee's Netflix series, She's Gotta Have It. Um, other films include Set It Off, Ray, and Brooklyn's finest. So he's been in the game for a long time. It's sad that he mm. had to leave us in such a tragic way. Um, I got this right off of uh, Wikipedia, so please check out his page. Um, and I just wanted to um, correct something in his bio. Um, 
he starred in these uh, films, but this was mostly around, uh, excuse me, theater plays. This was mostly around San Diego. So the one thing that they didn't mention about Broadway was the revival of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So I just wanted to clarify that. Um, so yeah, he deserves, again, check out his stuff. Um, he's amazing. It's sad that he has to leave us and hopefully uh, the police can get to the bottom of uh, what happened to him so that he can, him and his family can get some justice out of uh, what happened to him. So yeah, uh, Thomas Jefferson Berg. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, sir. I have mm -hmm. seen him in uh, most of those teams and it's very sad that we lost him in that way. So praying for his family and friends and everyone affected by this tragedy. Yes, for sure. So I have Miss Armelia McQueen who also passed away. She was also an actress, best known for her roles in the Broadway musical. Mm -hmm. Ain't misbehaviors. So she was in that from 1978 to 1982, from 1988 to 1989. She's also in the film Ghost, playing the role of Clara Brown in the television series Adventures in Wonderland from 1992 to 1994. So um, just some cool background about her. She actually has a degree in fashion design. So shout out to her. Come on, sis. And she was also in an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I do remember. She's oh. in an episode of Living Single, which I do remember. Oh, she's yeah. in an episode of That's the Raven, which I do remember. Oh, wow. um, and she's in an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I do remember. So I, I mean, as you can see, even though she was like playing guest roles in all these shows, I remember her episodes. I remember yeah. seeing her in all them damn shows. And she was a ray of light in every single one of them. She was also in um, Bullworth as mm. Ruthie, which if you guys don't know that movie, it came out in 1998. Um, it was like a political dark comedy film. And she was also in Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence as oh, Mrs. Yeah. Clay. Nice. So she's had, you know, she's been doing this thing for a little minute. And um, I remember seeing her a lot. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Miss Armelia McQueen. Um, we praise you, Miss Queen. Miss yes. Queen, you are queen, but we praise you. And um, praying for her family, anybody affected by this tragedy of losing her as well. Mm -hmm. We continue to uplift these two spirits and their families as well and celebrate their lives and what they have done for, you know, us today as Black creatives. Mm -hmm. So they are our two that we're honoring today and we'll honor them every day from now on. Yep, period. Yep, yep. So yeah, so that's the show, y'all. I mean, if you like, again, to um, back up what Corey said, if you like what you hear, please like, follow, subscribe, rate anywhere you listen, where you get your podcasts. It really helps to um, make sure that more people can see us and are able to be in the algorithm and get a chance to listen to our show. Want to thank the new listeners as well as the consistent listeners. Thank you so much. Um, follow us on Instagram at uh, Tinseltown Tea. We are on Twitter at tw Tinseltown Tea. Not Twinsle. Tinseltown Tea. And uh, also on Facebook. And so, yeah, we're there. Now on YouTube, too. Yes, on YouTube. So you get to yes. see our faces. So yes, on County as well. Yeah, yeah. So please uh, check us out on all the things. Again, like, subscribe, and yeah, we want to hear from you as well. So if you comment in our um, Instagram or on any of our posts or um, on YouTube, if you like something, we'd love to hear from you. Nice comments only. Um, yeah, 
and yeah, love and light and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. Also, mm-hmm. other housekeeping, we have an ebook that we're working on for that you guys about the basics, um, fundamentals of TV, um, TV writing. Mm-hmm. So look out for that. We will yep, be yep. announcing and marketing for that soon. And yeah, like you said, follow us on all the things. Mm-hmm. And we are so happy that you guys are listening. We're growing every day and we're very grateful for you guys. So thank y'all. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.